Welcome to Under the Water Tower, a production of Fellowship Baptist Church, located in Marble Falls, deep in the beautiful Texas Hill Country. Join Fellowship's staff and leadership while they explore, study, and discuss Bible passages. Here are your hosts, pastors Joni Wallach, Misty Grimm, Daryl Fishbeck, and lead pastor Dr. Jamie Greening. There are a few things in the Bible as beautiful as Isaiah 40. I just, I don't know that there's anything more poetic the with, with uh, higher language that speaks at not one level, not two level, not three levels, but it seems to be multidimensional in aspect. It, it reaches so deep and so far. It speaks to our psyche. It speaks to our emotions. It speaks to our our aspirations, our dreams. It also speaks to our fears, um, and uh, for that reason, it's 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 set alone. I, I, I certainly in, in in the Hebrew Bible, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but my feeling is there's probably not much. Maybe Psalm 23 mm-hmm. soars almost this high. Perhaps um, the creation account of Genesis one reaches to this kind of beauty, the the symmetry of that passage. But I can't think of anything that is more uh, poetic and more um, connecting to the human experience mm-hmm. than Isaiah 40. Mm-hmm. Um, can you guys think of anything, Daryl? Are you Googling something? I'm looking for something related to it, but no. Because no. I said there's you nothing said more, s- and he picked up his phone. No, I'll you show you. S- no, 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 no. You said something, and it just uh, sparked something. So nothing, nothing. Every now and on. again, I do say something that sparks. Um do, Joni, do you have anything that you? I mean, we've, we've been. I'm assume you've been studying this passage pretty deeply. Anything that comes close, maybe the Sermon on the Mount, but that's a different kind New of New Testament, flow. though. New Testament, I feel like you do have some things like that, like the Sermon on the Mount. But Old Testament, I don't think just it's this beautiful. Like there's some beautiful moments, but not not this. It may, maybe Paul, First Corinthians thirteen, mm-hmm. comes in the same. Mm-hmm. And the, the, this is the upper echelon. Of language, um, and so Psalm twenty-three is there. I don't think there's another psalm that comes close to this. It feels like a psalm. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. Psalm mm-hmm. Isaiah forty feels very much mm-hmm. like a psalm. Uh, Misty, do you have any parts of it? Do um, just when it gets to the questions, you know, who and who and who do you think? It kind of brings to Job, the Job to uh-huh. mind. Oh, it f- oh, I can it see that. It feels a little Jobish to me, but not in the poet poetic sense but the there are things that struck me th- those um, questions i wrote them I mean, there's, there's i got one two three four five six seven of them that mm-hmm. just stand out you could yeah. almost build the whole thing mm-hmm. you know what shall i cry right mm-hmm. uh, um who has measured i mean all these wonderful rhetorical st- questions yeah and like you said it's so deep there's so much in there that um it's good it kind of hits all your levels all your emotions it's all the feels all the feels yeah um but it also engages the brain it's not just feeling right that that you think too deep thoughts yes um so did you find what you were looking for over there on your phone i I did it was i'm gonna it's something i want to follow up on later it's not it doesn't it's it's a video thing i was looking for so it's not helpful to um a podcast (laughs) well that's true (laughs) That's the, I, I cannot <laughs> deny the veracity of video is very useless for a podcast. So uh, when I read Isaiah 40, I, I hear Handel, 
right, Messiah, <laughs> but I see Jesus, mm-hmm. and I and, and I, that that's that's my Christian lens on this. Mm-hmm. I'm an unabashed follower of Jesus, and so even though Isaiah, whichever Isaiah wrote this, mm-hmm. whether first Isaiah, second Isaiah, uh, hundreds of years at least before Jesus walks the earth, yet when I see this, I see so much of Christ in it mm-hmm. in so many ways. Uh, how about we just, as a methodology, take it in little bites? How about the first two verses? Now, I know for certain I read last time. <laughs> I can c- I can confirm this. So I did as well. You have read. I, I don't know when you read, I but read you last time was it last me. time? I did make. <laughs> that's right. I think I s- I said something like. <laughs> you didn't want to. Let's not read this, but Daryl, go Darryl, ahead and read this. I think I said something along those lines. So I think we said, "Hey, should we read it?" And I was like the only one who said, "No, it's too long." And you said, "Daryl, go ahead and read it." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what friends are for. Uh, who is maybe give us for those first two verses? I'll, I've not read yet, so I will read. You, Misty, blessed I'll are blessed do, are those I'll who go first. Do it. I'll do it. What are we doing? The first two? Just the first two okay. verses, which are we may not even get beyond. So if you, if if you're keeping score, we're in Isaiah forty. Forty, Isaiah forty. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warf- warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. There's a lot of discussion. This is clearly a prologue, right? So this is the prologue for something. <clears throat> is it the prologue for just 40? Or is it the prologue for 40 through 55 or 40 through 66? I mean, uh, it feels like uh, uh, something has shifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you describe these words? I would just say these are so much more comforting than where we left off last time so i mean i'm just like babylon's gonna come and take everything that's right isaiah's like peace out you're you're doomed you know and so now he comes back with comfort comfort so there definitely is that you know disconnect between 39 and 40 but um i think it just is a reassurance of jerusalem like that is god's people well it is god's people and he has announced what there's a word I'm looking for, or maybe there's a couple of words. Just the peace. Well, peace, but something very, very specific. Deliverance. Mm, the word is pardon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you could have used the word amnesty. You you're doing time, and now we're going to we're going to cut short that time. You've been pardoned. Uh, you're in prison. But your your imprisonment is just about over, so this is why a lot of folks like to sh- split this up. So, thirty nine ends with Babylon's coming, and so verse forty, excuse me, chapter forty, verse one and two, feels very much like Babylon has come, they've taken everybody, and now God is saying it's time to come home mm-hmm. again, which would be, you know, a hundred. 70 years or so after where we finished off last right, time. Right. Or maybe it hasn't quite ended yet. Right? Well, that's and another view. This is all prophetic. This is prophetic. And he's saying that even though you're in the middle of your struggle, I, my promises are still sure, you know. And you can already mark this on your calendar as a, a one victory, a one battle. Even though you're still in it, you know that you're going to come out a winner. 
so you feel like even though the, he's using the past tense, you've been pardoned, uh, what you've received, we're gonna, it, it's over. Mm-hmm. The warfare is over. You see that that's him maybe speaking about a future time mm-hmm. when that is a reality. Right. Okay. So Misty sees this purely as prophetic. So are you, are you historical Isaiah, the same, the same person, or it's sometimes called the, the Isaiah of Jerusalem? No, I don't think it's the same. I think he's speaking from a different place. It's still, I can see where he's coming from from before, but now he's speaking as to future. Like you can go ahead and rejoice and be excited because this, you know, God's promises are good for now, not just for later, but we know that he's promised to, to take care of this. You're, you've already been delivered. Even though you may be going through it still right now, his promise says that, you know, we're going to come out good on the other side. So lots of folks like to take th- that aspect of it and compare, say, 41 and 2 with 12, 1. Because 12.1 says you will say mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. that, you, you know, that you've been saved, you've been redeemed, that things have been mm-hmm. brought back. And th- this is, it has Absolutely. now passed. And so it could be the same person mm-hmm. saying the same thing in different mm-hmm. tones. I, I get that completely. Um, but again, at the same time, I see, again, Jesus in this. And I, 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 if I go back to that too much, I, I don't really apologize. But for Isaiah, your warfare has ended, is about a, the, the, the exile is over. Mm-hmm. You can come home. Your punishment is no more there. For us, we see in that when we finally come to faith in Christ, our exile, our estrangement from God, if you want to use the language of evangelism, our, our, our enmity with God, we were uh, struggle with him. We've, now we found peace with God. And so we're able to come home. Mm-hmm. That that's only bought the, the, by, by the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I see the connection here between these two ideas. Fishbeck, you've got to jump in here, man. You're I'm just listening. No, y'all are doing great. Well, her iniquity is pardoned. You know, that's us. Exactly. That's we are. Us. We are the we her. We are the her. Yeah. And I love the part with you'll be um, the um, that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins because for us that means we're forgiven but then we also have an abundant life with Christ I think that's exactly true so we have the the for for the Hebrews it was a double punishment right. the Babylonians came and burned your house down but then they hauled you off right that's two things it's not just one it's two uh, so we have the double blessing which is we have life here, which is full of joy and love and peace that comes from Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the church, all these wonderful things. But then we also have the promise of eternal life and in, in the hereafter and the now after. Um, I think it's all that is just wonderful. I get excited about it. And then it shifts. So maybe, Joni, you want to read 3, let's see, through 11. I, I, I take a bigger bite on this. Different folks do different things, but 3 through 11. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord. Oh, I went the word of our Lord, but it actually says the word of God. It does say the word of our God forever. Obviously, I memorized that differently. (laughs) You think it says that in a different translation? I don't think it says that in any translation. Interesting. Okay, go back. Eight. The grass withers and the (coughs) the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, says the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold the Lord comes with might, and his arm rolls for him. Behold his reward is with him, and and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. You just can't finish that section there without just Jesus, the good shepherd. Right. I, I just can't do it. Uh, it starts off with the cry and it finishes the section with the, the, the good shepherd imagery. Uh, where have you heard those words before? In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John. Oh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. I think all four Gospels allude to this passage. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because it's connected to John the Baptist. We read these at Advent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, is it about is Isaiah predicting John the Baptist? Is that what he's say seeing? Does he see that? I think that's the beauty of a prophet is that it can be for now and then it can be for the future too. Well, Miss Cleo's that way too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely. Sorry. Stitches, kind of uh, weaves um, Old and New Testament together because then you you've got this idea of Israel, but then you've got this idea of John leading to Jesus, and then even if you jump some of the stuff I read jumps ahead to Revelation where it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, and so it's it just it's very multi layered here uh, in my view <coughs> of more not so much about the specifics of what's happening, but the character and the nature of who God is. And then we see that played out more specifically in the life of Jesus. And uh, I've read it somewhere that God often punishes us by loving us more. Is that there are consequences to our actions and stuff, but it seems like we don't often always get the full, maybe what we deserve, we end up getting grace. Or we get loved, loved through it when, obviously, when we, like the prodigal, return home. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Everybody take a shot. Take a drink. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I'm fascinated, though, by the, 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 again, the multi-level application or appropriation of what is being said here. At the fundamental place, he's talking about we're going to shout in the desert mm-hmm. and we're going to build this highway to come home. It's the heavenly highway. We're, go- we're going to move from uh, Babylon, come through the desert, and come home. It's a parallel to the Exodus event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a second kind of Exodus where we're leaving the empire of our enslavement mm-hmm. and we're coming to the promised land. That is, cl- I mean, in my mind, that's exactly what Isaiah, or the first Isaiah, second, whoever it was, has in mind. Mm-hmm. Like a literal. Road. A literal. We are coming home. On you, we're gonna we're gonna straighten this thing out. We're gonna fill in the low places, Smooth and we're gonna bring down the high places. It's language about building a road. We're gonna build a road to a physical place, and we're gonna. This is good news. This is gonna be amazing. 
And I think that's exactly what he yeah, means. I think he describes it like that on purpose so that we can picture that. It's a picture. You can see You this. can see it. And I think that's why. You can see. So that's intentional. The highway department out there with their machinery <laughs> fixing the road. And, you know, there's there's one poor guy working and seven watching <laughs> him, right? <laughs> Drinking water. <laughs> taking a water um, break. You can see this in your mind's eye. Th- then there is what the John the Baptist idea, mm-hmm. the which is he's not building a road. There is no road for John the Baptist. He's not right. a road construction person. He's preaching, and he's proclaiming, but he's doing the work of laying the Good foundation way. for the gospel of, for Jesus to come. And so there's the historical aspect of the work that we do so other people may make that kind of journey to Christ, a spiritual journey to him. So John the Baptist is that figure crying in the wilderness, um, or is he, or, he, or he, is he crying in the wilderness, or in the wilderness is he crying? I mean, there's a <laughs> famous translation issue because it's difficult to know. Is he crying in the wilderness? It's all that itchy fur he's wearing. <laughs> the chosen has definitely picked their way. Well, the, I want to remind you, as much as I like the chosen, it's still for the most they get the tone right. I think they they got the tone just about right. Except I still don't think that Jesus was very insecure about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's walking. Around, Is this the right word? Is this the right <laughs> word? Do How do you feel about it? Um, You're literally Jesus. Um, but I do believe they get the tone right. I don't think they get all the hermeneutics right. right. They 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 do a lot of mm-hmm. creative license. They should have asked me, <laughs> right? They should have said, "Hey, Jamie." What should we do here? Uh, but so John the Baptist is the, in the in the Bible. He is preaching. He's this great figure, mm-hmm. like an Isaiah, like an Elijah, preaching, preparing well, the way. And one of the things that jumped out at me was, uh, or what I was drawn to remember was Second Corinthians five eighteen, where Paul is even saying we are ministers of reconciliation, and making the point of the messaging that we're supposed to be bringing here. And so if you look at this chapter 40 and stuff, you see this this image of hope and liberation. And even in the context of repent, um, there's consequences to your actions. There's doom and gloom coming in certain ways. That's not the end game. That's not the goal. That's not the point. I think we love to highlight an angry God sometimes in the Old Testament to try and get people to to fall in line when even that's not the point. It's not about behavioral modification it's about liberation it's about walking out like the israelites did the exodus towards this life whether it's towards life now or eternal life or something that there's there's a point to it this relationship this healing and this 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 freedom and we get i think we get stuck in there in the wrong places sometimes getting stuck in in a road to get us out is important Mm -hmm. um so that so John the Baptist is preaching. He's that figure, and we have the responsibility. I think that's what the New Testament, I think the whole overwhelming uh, testimony of the Scripture is. As Christ's followers, we are likewise preparing the way for others to have the same opportunity to for that spiritual journey. But I'm also captivated just by the imagery in general because there's not a one of us who have not found ourselves in the desert or in exile. Mm-hmm. I'm not not the, my need to come to faith in Christ. I'm already a Christian, or necessarily uh, is only experienced by Christians, but that we sometimes find ourselves in the desert or in exile, and we need someone to help us. 
we need someone to cry and to come build that road for us to come back. So there's that, that almost um, a universal application. No matter where you are or where you're from or, or what languages you speak or what color you are, we all have this sense of, I have been in exile, and I resonate with this idea that I need to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a way home, and I know the way home. It's a powerful, powerful thought. Missy, you're being very quiet. You're making me nervous over there. You're, you're just She's looking at me skeptical. No, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> you should be used to that. But <laughs> well, you always look at me skeptical. I'm listening. I'm listening. And you're exactly right. We find our ourselves in those dark places, and sometimes, you know, People do look at us and, and feel, Joni and I had this conversation the other day, people look at us and feel like you have it, well, she has it all together. You know, they work at the church, they're this and that, you know, and they have it all together. They don't have any Which problems. one of you is this you and know? which one of you yeah. is that? <laughs> and so, you know, it's hard for people um, to ask for help, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And when we find ourselves in those dark places, we have to remember that there are people out there that that do want to help you, and it's you know we have to remember. Well, and it's the difference between empathy and correction. Yeah. I think so many people see the church and Christians as they're just constantly trying to tell me what I'm doing wrong, as opposed to maybe a Christian who's been in the wilderness to look at someone like that and say, I get it. I yeah. feel your pain. I, I understand yeah. it's hard. I mm-hmm. see your struggle, as opposed to, well, you're just doing it wrong. Right. Well, and, and if I may push the imagery, can I push back? Can I push back? <laughs> can I push back? <laughs> so so the, the, in the wilderness is one way of saying that's mosaic. This is a little bit different. This is I'm in exile. I'm living over here, but I want to get to here. Mm. And, and I've got to navigate the wilderness. That's a different motif than being stuck in the wilderness. I want to. I'm, I'm at point A, which is bad. I'd like to get to point B, which is good. But between those two places is a desert, a wilderness, and I need a road map. I need. I need someone to guide me from one place to the other. You know, if, if you want to, to piggyback on where you're at there, to me, this is the definition of what ministry in the church is. Mm-hmm is we are those who help people navigate mm-hmm. from point A to point B because we're all trying to get through this wilderness. We've, we've made the decision. I don't want to live this way anymore. Selfish, greedy. I reject power and lust. I, I, I don't always do what I, I, I should, but I reject it. I want to get to point B, which is the Jesus way of living. And I wish that you guys could see me with my hands up like this, (laughs) illustrating A A and B. But the church's work is to navigate people. And the problem that we face is people are at different places on that roadmap. We're not all journeying together. We're on the same road, but we're at different places on that road. And that makes it very, very difficult. What I wrote down in my notes, faith versus hope. And I think a lot of times we lump those two together, but I think of faith can be this this belief or this kind of uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not not doctrine, but um, doctrine's a good word. It's it's kind of a, a dogma, a, maybe a noun or something where it's this this thing. This is what I believe. I've cho- chosen to be- a creed. That's kind of what I was keep trying to get at. Whereas a confession. Hope, whereas hope, I see more as it's the process of living that rules. out. And no, not rules. Um, hope is when you're in the struggle and just that belief isn't like, 
Oh, I believe this. No, that's not going to get you through it. Hope is that process of, of walking through the wilderness, um, of the stripping away of maybe the superficialities of God is good all the time, all the time God is good, when you don't feel like God is good or whatever. And 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 the, the pains of childbirth, I guess you could say, of, of that liminal space of being between the two places. You have to get tired of where you are before you can ever even think about asking for help or asking the Lord to help you. You have to just be sick and tired of being sick and tired and cry out for help. And a lot of people won't do that. I agree with that completely. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people like exile. Mm -hmm. There were lots of Jewish people who did not come back. Yeah. We like to think we like to think of them as all coming back. Right. They just did not dig their heels in, and they would rather yeah stay there and change life there. It reminds me kind of of when um, my kiddo. I had a kiddo that one of my. Let's stop. Back up. One of when one of my use my words. You rubbed off on me, Daryl. Sorry. Um, when one of my children was little, and they were kind of across the um. We were swimming at this at Barton Springs, and they were across the way. And I said, um, I was on the sh- side that they needed to come to, and I was like, "Just jump off the diving board and come on over." But they they couldn't see; they couldn't do it on their own. Like I had to literally swim over there and swim with them back. Mm. And I think when you're on one side and you're just yelling, "Hey, it's great over here! Come on!" People don't get that. But it's when you walk with them on their journey, mm, and you realize good. that one step forward is one step forward. That that's when it's important. But you're at Bart Springs, so you're freezing mm. to death the you whole time. You are freezing to death, and that's why I didn't want to go, but I had to. <laughs> <laughs> so they cry. Someone cries in the wilderness, or someone is in the wilderness crying. But, but then you get a, a repetition, the, the questions, right? So the first question is, is that, that I wrote down is basically this: a voice says, cry, and I said, what? What, what shall I cry? That is a great question, mm-hmm. by the way. What what's my message? You've told me to cry. You've told me to shout. What, what do I shout? Yeah. And it's the most morbid thing you can imagine <laughs> that the answer is. Here's what you're gonna cry. You're like you're like grass. You're like you're a dandelion. <laughs> and you're gonna be all yellow today, but then the the spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God is gonna blow over you and you are going to die. You will fade. And you will be no more. And people are just like a dandelion. This is exactly who you are. But the word of God lasts forever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> and by this the is way, what we're crying, wait, people. There's more. <laughs> In First Peter, when this is um, quoted back, it all is, men are like grass. It says the word of the Lord, which I think it's interesting. Here it's God, and then there it's the mm-hmm. word of the Lord. Well, so that's where my word of the Lord <laughs> came from. I that was bothering you. You were gonna you were gonna figure me. out where that came from. For Peter, the Lord is Jesus. Right. Right. This is, I believe, this is probably Elohim in mm-hmm. the in the Hebrew, uh, which is, um, it gets it, which means this may be a favorite passage of Jesus. Um, that Anyways. he quotes it, the word yeah. of the Lord. Um, Peter having hung out with Jesus, I'd like to think that that Jesus was always quoting Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and you think the frailty of um, flowers. You know, they're very frail. And what kind of flower are you? Well, and it just. And we immediately go to the amount of time that we have. You know, life is withers and it's it's fleeting. But then when you think of the, f- we're we're frail from the very beginning, you know. And 
I think that, I don't know, that just spoke to me as being just a f- the fragility. It's not just the ending coming, but it's just the fragility of, of the state of our life just in total. Well, Jesus said, come to me as a child, and I've read and heard that explained in tons of different ways, but one of them that I really liked was not just a young child, but almost more of a helpless infant mm-hmm. where you are utterly dependent right, on, on someone him. else to care for you. Mm-hmm. And really the Christian life should be some of that attitude the whole time. Yeah. Is I, It's never, I've got it figured out, now I can go right. here. It's mm-hmm. It's a continual... I life is fragile. Mm-hmm. I'm just grass, and I, I constantly need that help. Well, I'm fragile at the beginning. I think Misty's wise to point out that you know babies <laughs> are pretty pretty helpless when they're born. They 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 got nothing. When deer are born, they're like running and jumping over things pretty fast mm-hmm. soon. Now they're they're dumb, but they're they're able to go do stuff. The and then we're frail at the end. Mm-hmm. Very very fragile at the end. We just want to take care of us in our old age. But I would put forth the idea that we're frail your whole life. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, all it takes is th- these bodies are miracles. That, that, that It's a miracle that we do the things that we do. Our brain works, our heart works, our lungs work. But it's pretty frail. All it takes is a little bit mm-hmm. to mess that whole system up. Um, and One sneeze. One, one sneeze. An, the back. An accident. You fall. Um a couple of years ago, I was doing something, and I just twisted in the, just, just the sm- slightest way. Brought on this bout of sciatica that I had mm-hmm. for six months. Couldn't hardly, w- it was brutal. It was painful, because we're, we're frail. And you don't bounce back as quickly as you do. The no. process of healing is a lot slower. Um, but we're so arrogant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, where we, do we find our help, you know? So the, the cry here is, mm-hmm. you're not as strong as you think you are. That's right. But God's word lasts forever. If we think about Hezekiah, which I know these are disjointed, but he thought this life was all he had. So to hear that he was, I know he wouldn't have heard this, but but to be frail, that wasn't something that was in their line of thinking necessarily. No, like he's like, there's going to be peace in my lifetime. Good, I'm like, good. He's I'm like, good. this is all there That's is, all I need. you know, this right. life. And I think it's the... No, like you're missing it. Like mm-hmm. this life is not all. And he was is. depending on himself and on his own strength. Right. Here and later, we'll see. You know, when he talks about strength. Um, and that's exactly where he's headed with that, all this. Yeah. So the the this is the rhetoric of Isaiah 40. It lifts us. It takes us to a place to consider our frailness and the durability of God's word. Mm-hmm. To do that in this kind of way, I mean, we need to really tip our hat. Th- this is amazing writing. It is beautiful. To do this in such a way. And then he moves us from that. He is crying. Going to cry in the wilderness. What are we going to cry? Oh, now we get to this this big, long section. Um, I take it uh, pretty soon um, that the greatness of God and the shepherding of the Lord in our frailness, he holds us. Um. Because he's going to be the one who guides us through the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He's our guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we move to 12, verses 12 and on. Um, I guess maybe Fishbeck, you want to read those? You say 12 and on. Well, I for me. 12 to where? You know, let's take it in smaller bites. I, For hermeneutical purposes, I take 12 and 31 as one big mm-hmm. lump. It So... I don't know if these are all one oracle or how, but, but 12 through 31 seem like they have a common theme. 
which is kind of can be in the greatness and bigness of God. But how about we just take 12 through 17? Can you do that? Can you I, read? I think I can handle can that. Can you read those? <laughs> Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They're accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. What are you? You are less than nothing. Emptiness. <laughs> Negative integers. The dust. <laughs> The dust. Du- 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 no, you're not even dust, dust on a scale. And this wonderful, a drop in the bucket. bucket. Nothing says East Texas mm-hmm. like saying a drop in the bucket, right? Um, you are nothing. And these, this, these, the p- the pounding of these questions: Who has measured? Who has measured? Whom did he consult? Mm-hmm. Who taught? These are all the the things he's just coming at them, just powering down on them. And it's about the nations. That is the, the significance. Uh, and speaking of the nations, um, this is a good time for us to take a little break. We're at the 30-minute place in our podcast where we usually take a little break so you can pause and ponder what we've said, write that email telling Fishbeck how right he was uh, in his uh, estimation of things. Or that um, I'm just a grass withering in the field. Grass, wi- <laughs> But maybe take this time Empty. to ponder what kind of grass are you. Are you a dandelion? Are, are you, um, see, what else? Are you Bermuda? Tulip. A tulip. I feel more like a weed. A weed? <laughs> are you grain? Like grain and all those are mm-hmm. grasses, too. Um, mm, what are you, Joni? I don't know. <laughs> right now, we're in Texas, and She's it's She's AstroTurf, you know, because it's really so short. It's burnt. I'm, a cac- really I'm a cactus. I'm a cactus. I'm a cactus. You just I'm called me prickly. short and fake. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a succulent. Okay. Uh, all right. So think about what kind of grass you are. It's going to wither up and die because everything's dying here in Texas right now. For it rain sure. forever. Um, and we'll come back from the Kelly's going to give you some really with, nice with words. more hope on the other side. With more hope. <laughs> don't die alone. Um, here we go. You are listening to Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church located in Marble Falls. We would love for you to join us for worship. Visit our website for worship times at fmf.life. Do you have questions or suggestions on future topics for Under the Water Tower? We would love to hear them. Send us an email to office at fmf.life. If you like what you hear and would like to support this ministry, visit fmf.life slash give. That's fmf.life slash give. So uh, the bigness of God is the, the theme, from I think, from 12 on. Uh, when we were on break, uh, Joni brought up, she wanted to revisit the, the idea of Jesus as the shepherd. Bring us with that. What do you got? I see in like verse 12 on it says that it talks about the bigness of God. But then in verse 11, it talks about like he will carry them in his bosom. And I just think that's so up close and personal. And it it um, it contrasts in such a beautiful way that 
that Jesus is up close and caught uh, up close and personal and loving and kind but yes but yet big it's this juxtaposition of don't forget I'm bigger than you I'm bigger than the nations I'm bigger than Babylon I'm bigger than all these things but then although they didn't experience Jesus the incarnation of I'm going to become this little bitty baby and and grow up and be amongst you and be gentle and tender with you and like you're you're saying with the dealing with the sheep and 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 things it's this incredible dichotomy of who God is um, Isaiah also gives us in uh, 55, I believe, the the transcendence and the imminence of God. So with the the shepherd, he is imminent. He's close. He holds us close to his bosom, close to his heart. He binds up our wounds. He cares for us. We're the lost sheep that he goes and finds. He looks at us and behold, they're like sheep without a shepherd. All these, th- all these images of Jesus being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. This is, this is very imminent, very present. This is the sense in which Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our guide. Uh, we are close to him in this way. But he's also transcendent. He's big. He deals with the nations. He's, how right. big is he? They're nothing compared to him. They're, they're, they're dust on a scale or a drop in the bucket. Babylon means nothing to him. He does not need the permission of the United Nations to act. He, he's bigger than the president of the United States or the leader of Russia. He's bigger than any institution on this planet. In fact, not only is he bigger than them, it's not even a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no comparison. Yeah, there's at there's all. Well, who, who, who what? You, what? What do you compare it to? <laughs> These rhetorical. Who's measured? Who's consulted? Yeah. No one is. You mm-hmm. cannot. So, so Isaiah has this in his, especially Second Isaiah has this in his mind very clearly of mm-hmm. both those ideas and, that you mm-hmm. hit the closeness of God, mm-hmm. but also the otherness of God, the bigness so of God. It's a really weird, rare combination <clears throat> because I don't I don't think you see that in a lot of humanity. It's it's there. There are people like that, but you have people that well, love I'm it. like that. I'm bigger than life. Well you have people that, that are bigger than life <laughs> or they're domineering or they're strong or they're powerful <laughs> or whatever. But do you get that that same gentleness out of that? It's usually one or the other. Um, I was thinking earlier when we were starting this about um, their their um, their exile being cut short, so to speak. Uh, I remember in middle school, we had, when we were about to be, it was eighth grade, because in eighth grade, you become a freshman, and so it was athletics. And in middle school, in Blanco... In eighth grade, you became a freshman? No, the, transi- <laughs> the transition from said. eighth grade, sorry, to... Uh, junior high to high school sports is what in I'm Blanco trying to get In Blanco is ninth grade the freshman year. I'll edit year. this. Whole, yes. <laughs> I need to know. In Blanco where you grew up, ninth grade yes. is freshman year, not eighth grade. Correct. Okay. Correct. But in <laughs> eighth, were you like in eighth grade in, or were you in ninth when grade? When this story is happening, uh, it was eighth grade, and therefore you had the varsity athletic director head coach would do this. Um, we had our athletics in the middle of the day right before lunch. That's a great thing to do with middle school students get them real sweaty and then send them back to the classroom um but there was a season where and and he had this he ruled on fear he was the typical 80s american texas football coach where you know his way and no way (laughs) he yelled a lot and he he, 
He intimidated. Football this coach, story was Mason. not supposed to take this long. <laughs> My point was we had him for that athletics period, and we had to run um, around the school as a warm-up. It was probably a half a mile, but it felt like 12. It was Blanco. <clears throat> the school couldn't have been that big. Well, all 12 grades were on one campus. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> so we ran around there, and then we went to these concrete uh, – as- no, asphalt tennis courts where he would do these things – exercises is six inches did you ever do six inches yes where you lay on your back you lift your feet up six inches you spread your feet together six inches spread them to you and it was brutal on the ass we were so terrified i dread i got sick every day before we had to go out there because i just was afraid because then he would yell at you if you didn't do it right there's just this whole but then there was a season towards the end of the year where we would do the warm-up lap he would take us to the tennis courts and you're dreading you're just about to like be brutalized with some kind of workout and he'd say go to the gym well at that time we realized go to the gym meant go in and play wiffle ball we got to just go and it was like all right what are you baiting us into but there was this this moment of elation that came over you like oh i don't have to work out anymore and this it's been cut short um, and so I was thinking about that earlier when they were talking about there, you're in this dread, this misery, this horrible s- situation. And all of a sudden, oh, it's not going to be as bad as we thought. But I will to tie it back into what we're talking about now. I never felt safe around that man. I just he scared me. And he was the type that was just and he in- eventually got fired for his abusiveness. But um, it was. And so when we look at this, what. I'm latching on to is how God holds that kind of power that that should stir up some fear and some awe in us, but yet there's safety in him as well. And that's just back to what I said 10 minutes ago when I started this diatribe. Well, it goes back um, to the beginning. safety. Comfort, comfort my people, says your, says your God. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, talk tenderly to the people, you know, talk to their hearts. And that's who God is. And that portrays him as a shepherd carrying the sheep you know like Joni's talking about so tenderly and talking about being in exile you know the brokenhearted you you're a pastor and if as long as you're preaching and, and teaching to the brokenhearted you're never going to lack for an audience right because there's so many brokenhearted people in the world so I love how this portrays God in all of those different um all his characteristics, right. I feel like, are displayed in. And I think we have 40. a lot of pastors that love to get up there and, and, and be intimidating and mm, scary and gruff. But then we have people <laughs> like on. Jamie who Jamie. does that, but then he'll come and give you a hug afterwards. Oh. Um, the imminent um, answer, um, nationwide. The, um, so, <laughs> me, what? how can you compare exile and punishment, Daryl? Middle school. (laughs) (laughs) For real. I hated, hated middle school. I got bullied in middle school. So I I got some bad. Total desert. I apologize to all the children (laughs) in middle school. We should be doing better by now. I know. Why have we not reinvented this better? Middle school is terrible. It's awful. It's such a bad idea. You take all of these schools and then you throw them together with other kids. With kids they haven't been with. And then you... Don't give them the relationships. They're used to having relationships, personal relationships with their teachers, and then you give them 400 teachers. It's just a lot. And those are vital ages. I mean, that should be, they should be treated completely different than elementary or high, because those, that's. Your body's going through so many things. Your emotions, you're growing, you're you're starting to think, and you're Girls get tall and boys get And and you talked a minute ago about um, going through the desert. 
at different paces. Mm. I mean, middle school, you talk about different um, maturity levels. It's and, awful. And some hitting it right yeah. away and some not, and it's it's chaos. Mm-hmm. And we put these people in athletics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Compete. So you have one boy yeah. who shot up, and he's big and strong. Yes. Yep. You go and play you dodgeball with this kid who hasn't quite. He mm-hmm. should be me. And and, and 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 then we'll laugh when you really hit him yeah. hard with the ball. I mean, this is this is what we do. Yeah. Shame, uh, <laughs> shame, and guilt, and and now go take a shower. Yeah, mm. together, everybody <laughs> all together, developing at different stages, and the acne, and some have braces, and some don't. You got crooked teeth. I mean, it's and bad. They it's they terrible. Smell. All right, so we've established that middle school is Babylon. Okay, let's go. That's true. <laughs> uh, it's horrible. It's exile. Uh, and the, so. The Lord is close, but he's also big, mm-hmm. and he's caring, and he's loving, but he's bringing all this against the nation. The, all all this talk here, he mentions Lebanon by name, but it's all about the nations. Mm-hmm. And he, has, he has Babylon in mind, Persia in mind, specifically Persia, because at this time, it's out of the Persian Empire they're coming. Uh, Cyrus is probably the yeah. leader he's referring to, who he will also refer to as Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who lets them come home, uh, and then he keeps going down. He with the the the, the bigger the speak. I prefer. I really like the eighteen through twenty. So I'll read this little section here. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compared with him? An idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for its silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. And that's the whole point. Mm. Because God is coming to them on mm. to bring them on this highway, but the idol doesn't move. move. Your God doesn't move. Um, there are several places in the Bible that talk about the stupidness of an idol, right? Uh, and the maker of the idol. Man, yeah, man-made image is never going to withstand anything. Isn't it wonderful, Misty, that we don't have man-made idols today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't even understand this passage. I what kind know. of? What's an idol? I know. I think we get off track. To I, I'm sure they did then too, but there's so many things to throw us off track. People worship the nation, like, and I'm sure they did there too. But well, they um, did. They worship the king too. And worship. Well, well and, and today I think we many people worship an image of God that sits my pre- that fits my prejudi- prejudices. <laughs> refrigerator. Um, <laughs> We uh, often think that of was idols. pre-show. <laughs> we often think of idols as these these things when they can be ideas, ideals as well. Well, the, remember the question is not what's an idol. The question is is what can I compare God to? Mm-hmm. And so when you start listening to people, you will hear them compare God. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite we talk about the Trinity. God's like ice. Mm. <laughs> God's egg. like an egg. Like an no, egg. the Lord is. Uh, that's one of my pet peeves. The Lord, God, no. the Maker of heaven and earth, is not Nothing an egg. Like an ice cube. Um, and he's not. You know. Anyway, I, yeah. I, <laughs> but we compare God to a, a father. What can I liken God to? A king. What can I liken God to? Um, a church. What can I liken God to? The universe. What can I liken God to? karma mm-hmm. all these things and they all fall short mm-hmm. none of them work your idol doesn't work 
a father doesn't always I mean God is a heavenly father he is a loving father but if that's what you reduce him down to it falls apart mm-hmm. it always falls apart and sometimes we just reduce him down to his creation we worship the creation and not the creator I'm sure I read that somewhere <laughs> where did I read that just, that, you know, that Paul guy. A little <laughs> bit louder for the people in the back. <laughs> a little bit. Louder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the aisle issue, then verses 21, the next section I have through 24. Who would read that? I guess I will. Thank you, Misty. 21 through 24. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Idiot. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Just in case you missed the point, okay, you're like grass... You're also a grasshopper. That's right. So you're grass, grasshopper. Hopper. Ah, grasshopper. You know, the, the, the flow here is amazing. Just, I, I couldn't help but interject. You read that so well. Uh, that whole, do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not, are you stupid? Do you, not, do you not see? He put a shit up at that. Do you not see? Has like, how do you not, how can you see all this and not know? Did nobody tell you <laughs> yeah, from the beginning? beginning? Have you not understood? <laughs> Are you so dense that you don't get it, right? He sits at the, the imagery above. The, the circle gets me. Yeah. Right? Because we. How do they know? How did he know? Well, right. Uh, what? No, I'm just saying right. Like yeah, so the, the, the circle of the earth. Now, this is, uh, I've heard lots of conversations about this. Sure sounds to me like Isaiah has some grasp that the earth is round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not a member of the Flat Earth Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, by the way, they have offices all over the globe. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the the, the he what about above the circle? What if he's talking like? Above, like in the heavens, yeah. The circle, not the earth this way, but like a circle, dome, yeah. Circle so it could this be flat. Which do- it's, I read something that, that compared it to like insects in a terrarium. That is like um, I've what's seen the that. Truman Show. Mm-hmm. I've seen this image of the earth that's based upon really obscure patterns. I think that what people who do that they brought their own ideas in and made them fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isaiah is not a scientist. But he's describing a system in which God is outside, outside the earth. Of, yeah. Whatever the earth is, and he's, he's outside, outside of it. And he's holding these yeah. life-giving boundaries mm-hmm. that kind of are keeping us secure. But the use of the word circles fascinating yeah. to me. Well, and if he would have said round, right, I could have seen that more so. But do you, the do circle you believe the earth is flat, Misty? <laughs> Shut up, Daryl. Was it 185,000 <laughs> troops? <laughs> The earth, it's interesting. I want to be clear. It's the earth is round. round. Say it, Daryl. It's not exactly round. perfectly round, round though. <laughs> if I understand the scientists right, it kind of bulges in the middle. It's more like a It's uh, just bulge. like me. More like a <laughs> <laughs> I bulge in the middle, too. Uh, <laughs> that's Stop. The, uh, yeah. So, but he, and, and then he compares them to grasshoppers. And, and how big the Lord is, and they come to nothing. I think at this point he's not talking about humans in general. He's talking about princes, mm-hmm. leaders, mm-hmm. kings, 
potentates, senators, presidents, governors, CEOs. I'm talking about you, Bezos, right? I'm talking about you, Zuckerberg. You think you're politician. You think you're so big. You're so big. No matter how big you are, you're nothing compared to God. Still a grasshopper. So Isaiah's got it firmly in mind. He is a prophet, and he's speaking about the most powerful, powerful you can think about. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to be impressed. He's not impressed by your gold. He's not impressed by your business. Well, he not only sits above all of creation, he created all of creation he is all of the Mm -hmm. things yeah i love that Mm. and then he bring then uh, let's take this uh 24 through 26 one more small bite before we bring the rhetorical flourish home who uh uh, fishback why can you do that for us please 24 to 26 Uh i thought you already read 24 25 to 26 to whom then will you compare me that i should be like him says the holy one Lift up Are your you eyes. Sure? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Is that says why? Says the holy one. <laughs> I was. <laughs> it's like a question. I know I didn't mean it to be a question. I was, I was going. I was, the the I was processing that first statement. I was thinking Blessed about. Blessed are the peacemakers. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, to I whom then will you compare <laughs> me that I should be like him? Says the holy one. <laughs> Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Wait. Lift up your eyes on high. Have you read this before? (laughs) (laughs) Have you read it before? I rubbed elf on you. (laughs) Lift up your eyes on high and see who created it. How do you? That's a semicolon. Somebody else read that. Stop, stop, (laughs) stop. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Is that better? <laughs> you tell me. I've <laughs> never had someone have to take over my reading before, <laughs> except in second grade. Third grade. <laughs> you, you remind it was like it was like um yeah, I'm sure like a pilot training somebody else had to take the stick back. That <laughs> semicolon <laughs> threw me. <laughs> it is a semicolon and, and Hebrew sometimes is but it's the look up and see who create mm-hmm. he, he's pointing to the stars God, at night. Got it. Look up. See who made all these. Mm-hmm. This is Timon and Pumbaa, right? Yeah. Oh, it's grass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who made all these? And then he's this language is beautiful. He brings out the host by number, mm. the idea of the stars, and he knows them all, right? Which it, goes back to what you one of y'all compared it to Job. You did, mm-hmm. and uh, th- some of those terms it's remind very, me of very Job. Familiar. Mm-hmm. Very Job-like. Uh, which makes you wonder about the composition mm-hmm. and editing of Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get the... Are you plagiarizing? <laughs> no. I'm just <laughs> smart people saying the same things in different ways. The <laughs> the, the stars, uh, calling them by name. name. Now, we name the stars, don't we? Mm-hmm. But apparently they named them, and God has named them. Mm-hmm. I just love... Of course, you can also pay to have a star named after you. Yeah, I don't think God uses those. <laughs> I think he has. Hey, his look, own there's names. Fred. <laughs> I think well, that's interesting that he had the people name the animals, but then he named the stars. Mm. I don't know. That is fascinating. I never thought about that juxtaposition. Maybe Abraham named them, since they're all his descend- number of his descendants. Maybe he named them all. <laughs> uh, the stars in the heavens. Yeah, <laughs> they that, all just start with <laughs> Joe in our family. <laughs> We've already said that before. That, that, that's Joseph just very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Josiah, <laughs> Joe uh, Mama. Jo- oh no! <laughs> All right, 
with that note, let's bring it home. 27 through 31. I'm not reading it. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Which comes back to strength and the bigness of God. Um, just can't, just can't put my arms around all the what this is. The, he he kind of begins with the idea of the the questions, right? Why do you say? Mm-hmm. Why do you say it's all hidden? Why do you say God doesn't know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the questions keep coming. Have you not known? Have you not? Are you so? Are you still so dumb that you don't know? And then we get this great description. Mm-hmm. How do you how does that make you feel, Joni, when you read that? Well, I going back to the unsearchable part, I think about we live in such a um in verse twenty eight at the end of that. I know you kinda jumped off that, but I'm going back. No, I'm fine. Shocker, huh? Um but one going, more thing. One more thing. But going back to that, I think about how we live in such an age of information, but yet there's some things you can't Google. You can't Google um how many stars are there or you know Things about God you can't Google it. Like you just have to know Him. Um, we, I, our arrogance is high. We think we know a lot. We in the modern age we believe that we've got our handle on most everything when really we don't. We're just scratching the surface. I read it this morning in National Geographic about um, um, radio bursts that come from stars, and they still don't know really why they're there or where they come from. Or what makes them? Are they near? Are they far? Uh, and I was thinking about the so- the stars. God has the name for them, and they give radio bursts. And if you listen to them, but with those telescopes, they make noise. There's sound. They sing. So much. Un- that's that's way up there. And then there's life, right? right? That's a no- we can't reduplicate mm-hmm. life. Uh, just, you can't. They've never been able to do it, and they never. I don't think they ever will be able to do it. Take inanimate things, magnesium, potassium, water, salt, hydrochloric acid, whatever it is, the, the building blocks of life, they say, and generate enough electricity to make it come alive. You well, can't do that. Well, Joni, you, you can Google how many stars there are. <laughs> you, I'm sure you can. And the answer is an absolutely astounding number. There are approximately <laughs> 200 billion trillion stars like in the universe. <laughs> or to put it another way, 200 sextillion. That's <laughs> like a child. How many are there? A, a bazillion. A quadruple. But to tie the two together, it just feels like the more we do... I mean, we can become too arrogant about we know it all. We have it all figured out. But it does seem like the more that we know, the bigger it just makes it. Mm-hmm. Like the bigger it got. I'm okay if there's 200 sextillion stars and God <laughs> has them all named. <laughs> and that's apparently an actual word. I'm reading it right right there. Um, 200 billion trillion stars. 
and Isaiah saying, God named them all. And the, if I believe, if I'm correct, and I'm pretty, the universe is still expanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's right. not, it has, as the scientists say, they uh, hypothesize at some point it will begin to contract, but it, right now it's still expanding. And so that means more stars, more space, more growth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So much, mm-hmm. and that's out there. Um, my favorite thought process is we know so much about above us, the moon and Mars uh, for starters, but then stars and the galaxy. You get down a couple of miles below the sea, and mm-hmm. we got nothing. nothing. We, it, we, 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 there's so much we don't know mm-hmm. about our own. Planet. It's like the, it's like the saying. I, I want to say it's a Mark Twain quote, but I'm just making that up. Um, the more I know, making up a quote and attributing it to Mark Twain is the most Mark Twain thing <laughs> I can <laughs> do. <laughs> It's like the older I get, the less I know or something like that. Yeah. It's just or the more I learn, the less I know. The more I learn, the less I know. There it is. Yeah, that one. And, and it's like with this whole science stuff, the more we learn about our universe, the smaller we really get mm-hmm. in, in contrast to, to how big it is and how big God is. But we get smaller, but I think God gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole point. And then he gives us this strength. This this beautiful... Kids are going to... Kids are never... Uh, tired. They always are balls of energy, but they're going to get exhausted. They're going to faint. They're going to grow weary. But those who serve the Lord, they're going to have a supernatural source of strength. And this mount up on wings like eagles. Well, this is knowledge. You know, the first part of Isaiah 40, he's talking about the greatness of God, but then now it's like this is the knowledge, and this is what makes the difference in our life that we can't Google taste and see this is the things you have to experience because that's who god is and this is what he offers us and i love that and that that the key point of the offering is a strength Mm -hmm. now i don't believe that he's actually speaking about running Mm -hmm. although and it's strength we already have right at salvation we were already imputed that strength so it's a renewed strength Absolutely, it's a fresh well, strength. And I like to think Come of it to me, too. You who are weak yeah. when you're tired, later, I, will I will give you rest. rest. Well, when yeah. you're tired and when you're weary or when you're sick or when you're hurting, something that's Monday all morning. You, that's all you can Today. see, yeah, and feel, and 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 it can you can focus on that, and it just snowballs downhill to to miserableness. And so he's talking to a tired and weary people here, and he's trying to draw their attention off of themselves and say, "Look at this for a minute." Mm-hmm. And it's like when you stop, pause, rest. And start to see this, I read it as something that can spark that hope and where you're like, okay, maybe I can't go a little farther. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, God's got me. I'm not alone. I'm not abandoned. And, and, and I can take another step. Well, if we can go, if we can go literal for a moment. So you have, let's take older people who were born in exile. And they were told stories about home in Solomon's temple. Um, they, maybe some of the really old people remember it, right? And the promise of going home seems crazy because the journey's too hard. Mm-hmm. It's too long. There is a mm-hmm. desert. There is a wilderness. There's not going to be any water. There's bandits. We'll have to rebuild. This is the promise. No, no. You will have mm-hmm. a supernatural strength mm-hmm. to do the work I've called you to do. Uh, you may not think you're going to be able to do it, but you can, can do, do it. it. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is the kind of spiritual strength so mm-hmm. we're not on a physical journey through the desert we're on a spiritual journey through life with the lord and you can see people and we encounter these people all the time who have deep 
reservoirs of strength. Sometimes it comes from the hurt and pain they've been through, but sometimes I think more specifically it comes from their connection to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It makes them strong. Well, and you always hear, find it within yourself to just, you know, you've got to find it. You've got to, f- you know, pull yourself out of this. But it's his strength. I mean, and that's what it's it says. The, the Lord's strength is what we receive. It's not strength of our own because we don't have it. It's his strength that he gives us the power to do the it things that we need to do. In our weakness, his strength, strength. is made manifest. Mm-hmm. I believe that's exactly right. Yeah. So do you think this is like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where it was just written to the Israelites and it's not really a... No, that's for graduating that's high school seniors. That's a trigger. <laughs> I, mean, I, need, I need a trigger warning before you bring up Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. That's... Do you think this is like that where it's... <laughs> I know the plans I have for you. Right, where it's, it's not out over here. to you. To you. Pro- prosper, prosper, prosper. I wish prosper. everybody could see this. Prosper. Smoke coming out prosper. of his ears. <laughs> prosper and not harm you. No, that's for just the back of letter jackets that will help you win. Plans for hope. Hope in the future. So that's really written to the Israelites, the, all of God's people together. Do you think this is more personal one-on-one, or do you think it's um, collective? Well, so let's, let's, let's be for, for real. So the, the letter to the exiles in Jeremiah 29 mm-hmm. does have a universal application, right? God does have a plan. God is going somewhere. But it's not always about prosperity and well-being. Um, that that letter actually is the exact opposite of what most people know. They say, "Ah, oh, God's got a great future out there somewhere for me." But that letter is about build houses, <laughs> plant crops, live where you're. You're going to be here for a while. You're not going home anytime mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. That's good advice to everybody. Live where you're at now, like you're going to be there for a while. Invest in the community, invest in the world, prepare for the generations. That's good advice. But we take it and we make it mean so many things that it doesn't mean. (coughs) Isaiah 40, because it is an oracle, it's a prophecy, it's a little, it's different than Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. This has such universal truth in its application and quotation in the New Testament, the way it gets used by uh, uh, the, the New Testament writers, lifts it out of pure historical context and places it in the ministry of Jesus, the life of the church, the life of the individual, and I think of the whole global community. He's talking to nations. He's talking to people. He's talking to his people, and he's talking to you. You will mount up on wings like eagles. Nations are nothing compared to him, and we are building the road through the wilderness so that people may travel on their spiritual journey from point A to point B. I, so I think we're the messengers. Oh, Isaiah is the messenger here, but we're the messengers now. You know, we're on the journey and messengering at the yeah. same time. Well, I, and it says I like Facebook Messenger. He, <laughs> but they who wait for the Lord, you right? Know, and I, I, I love that because in the middle of our exile and our waiting, you know, we tend to think it's just a passive thing. I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to wait it out, and God can do what He wants to do in His time. Well, you know. It's what you do in that time. Just like time heals all things. Well, that's really not that true. It's what you do with that time, what you allow the Lord to do with that time. And so I love that that's in there, those who wait for the Lord. The waiting. They've been the waiting, waiting a long time. Long time. They've been in exile mm-hmm. for a long time. Yep. We are impatient. Yes. Speaking of patience, thank you for hanging in with us. I think that we've exhausted a lot of angles on Isaiah 40. 
um, when we began this podcast, I didn't actually know where we were going to go with it. So this has been fun it's for been me. Fun. It's been it's a, a an adventure. Yes. Uh, we'll be back with so uh, we got at least at least two more, I think, recordings we're going to give for you. Uh, I don't know how many we have now. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Feels like a lot of Isaiah already. Uh, but thanks for listening. Share us on your favorite social media, or just tell a friend. How cool would it be if you said, "Hey, I've got this podcast I'm listening to." you talk to a friend about it and you get your Bible and you start talking about Isaiah together. Because that really is what our podcast is. Just four friends in a room with microphones. Or if you want to hear a pastor freak out over Jeremiah 29 and uh, another pastor who can't read well, (laughs) just to get a laugh, (laughs) share us. (laughs) Good stuff. Jeep Coleman. You guys have fun. Take care. Love you all. See you later. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to Under the Water Tower, a podcast dedicated to honest discussion of the Bible. To donate to this ministry, just go to fmf.life slash give. That's fmf.life slash give. Just a reminder to subscribe to Under the Water Tower on Apple Podcast and Spotify. That way you'll never miss an episode. Help us to spread the word about our podcast by talking about it and sharing it on your social media. Thanks again for joining us. On behalf of Under the Water Tower, I'm Kelly Trapane.